Beneath the sands of time, a castle and its undead court stirs. Deep in the darkest woods, a wild hunt rages on. And at the edge of a fallen city, a never-ceasing hunger gnaws at the ribs of unlucky souls. In the heart of Vire, the unholy empire, Queen Sephira of the hellbound House of Fame adjusts her grandmother's crown, fully aware that she is not the only devil scheming in her throne room. And somewhere, ignorant to it all, are four bad heroes, with no idea just how unprepared they are. Welcome to Bad Heroes. I'm Dre, your GM, and we're going to be playing Pathfinder First Edition. If you're listening to the show, you are probably familiar with how tabletop role-playing games work. But just in case, here are the basics. It is my job to create a rich world full of interesting characters and unique scenarios, like writing a story on the fly. Only in this story, I don't control the main characters. My players do. I have four players, and their characters are going to shape this story through the power of choice and the sheer luck of dice rolls. If you roll good, you nailed it. And if you roll bad, I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And then they were all ghosts. They're dead. Dead so soon, we haven't even played yet. I rolled a natural one. Ah, I rolled a zero. Game over. Good job, everybody. (laughs) Just like an undead campaign. (laughs) Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? I'm Coolness, and I am playing Tonrir Seni, a male half-elf druid who specializes in having an animal companion and just being naturally with the world and its dirt and earth. And what are your pronouns? Him, he. Yes, good. Liska, you want to go? Sure. So my name is Liska, she, her... And I play Iria, a street-smart Catholic. She's a bard who plays the hang drum and sometimes hits people with it. She's motivated by love and is on a musical quest to find recognition, gold, and maybe a soulmate or two along the way. And I love that. Jake? I am Jake. He, him. My character is Wingatha. She, her. Wingatha Feldrum. Is a human fighter, a traveler, an adventurer. She grew up alone on hard streets, cut her teeth in a band of mercenaries, and now she's fulfilling her dream to see the wonders of the world. She values personal freedom, loves a good scrap, hates a war, and cares about money only as far as it buys her freedom. Uh, above all, she values the pursuit of all things new and wonderful, people, cultures, landscapes, and animals. Excellent. Kaz? I am Kaz Baloo, and I am playing... Gideon Greyfrost, my pronouns and her pronouns are she, her, and Gideon is an aristocratic elf from a very wealthy bloodline of draconic sorcerers. She's incredibly book smart and possibly street stupid, (laughs) and her driving force is to pursue knowledge of all kinds, 
and she just doesn't really give a fuck about interpersonal relationships. I like it. No fucks given at all. No fucks. Okay, let's get Kaz, coolness, Jake. That's everybody. Oh, except for me. I'm Dre Silvertooth. My pronouns are they, them, and I am the game master, so I play literally everybody else. I want to just note really quick that you guys went through all of your intro stuff and I spent time writing the intro and I did not realize that that was the intro I was supposed to read. Oh, sorry. I winged it a bit. Let's do it again. That was my bad. That was my bad. Let's try again. Let's do it one more time. Coolness, you want to introduce yourself (laughs) (laughs) and your character? Beagles out. Beagles out. I did did think, I was like, that's a a bit uh, shorter than I remember. I like it just it does the natural. Okay, uh, cool. We're just running it now. <laughs> so naked all the time. Awesome. Let's try this again. <clears throat> I'm playing Tonrir, a half elf druid, who has journeyed here and there. His intentions often shrouded. He works on bettering the land and ensuring its survival, believing that the laws of nature should be deeply respected. He maintains a rather stoic presence, which has been molded over the years by callousing experiences and will engage with most folk at arm's length. His companion is always nearby, whether others are aware of it or not. That was so cool. It was cool to read, and it was even cooler in your voice. Oh, I uh, also wanted to introduce our editor and my co-producer, Leanne Rose. Pronoun she, her, and she'll be chilling behind the scenes and adding music and making us sound good. So if you listen to it and think, wow, that sounded cool, it was Leanne and it wasn't us. <laughs> yeah, we sound like trash. Trash! <laughs> so, on to the adventure? Yes, please. Yes. Adventure. All right. So, your four characters don't know each other. But you're all visiting the same place. You are in the capital city of Vire, the Unholy Empire, which is one of the most influential nations in the known world, despite its dark reputation. You are surrounded by Gothic architecture, towering buildings made of stone and steel, with gargoyles placed on the corners of the tallest spires. There were rumors that these gargoyles come to life at night to act as spies for the crown. But, though few dare venture out after sundown, during the day the broad, cobblestone streets of Vyre's capital are alive with music. The sides of buildings are painted with gorgeous, colorful murals, and artists and vendors of all shapes and sizes hawk their wares from market stalls. The locals seem well-fed and nicely dressed, and sounds of merriment drift out of taverns and houses. It's a pleasantly bustling day, and though the market crouches in the shadow of a church devoted to the Archdukes of Hell, it doesn't do much to bring down the mood. So, what are you four doing with your free time? I'm going to say we can get this kind of been on the tourist track and just enjoying the architecture of Hell and the uh, <laughs> hell, hell Gargoyles. Just taking it all in. Hellfire, I get it. <laughs> oh. Tonry has been in the city for just about two days now, having arrived from somewhere else and is reprovisioning and just seeing if there's anything that might catch his ears to let him know where to go next. So Iria just got in last night with a band of elves that she was traveling with, and they kind of went off on their own. We kind of split ways. They had to go meet some 
some elf friends. But Yuria decided to go into the market and she's sitting right outside the entrance busking, playing her hang drum and looking for some gold. And remind us, what does Yuria look like? She's pretty short. Well, I guess regular for regular size for cat folk. She's medium sized, about 18 years old, four feet, five inches tall. She weighs about 105 pounds. Cat folks are so little. <laughs> We're tiny. Her hair is a deep purple or her eyes are golden. And her her hair is all over her body, right? Because she's a cat. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's like a deep black purple. So there's a purple cat busking. That's probably not common even here. <laughs> Vire's like pretty diverse and there's a lot of artists here, but I don't think a purple cat is like a common thing here. Oh, I do have that to my advantage being kind of stand out. I think people are staring a lot and I think people are like throwing you money. Like I think this is a good place to busk. And I'm loving it. Yeah, we, we can get the old Tazar coin. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Gideon, what are you up to? So I think Gideon has just been dropped off of a family wagon with all of her belongings kind of grouped around her feet and is kind of looking around, not really knowing what to do, kind of expecting someone to show up to help her with her stuff. So like a fancy ass carriage rolls in to the capital of Vire and drops you off with a bunch of luggage, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are they like giving you the boot or? Gideon comes from a very wealthy family and she has just always had her nose stuck in a book and has been studying in the family library for forever and ever and ever. And finally, her family said that they were going to kick her out and disown her if she did not go and make a name for herself. So yeah, she's been escorted away to a place of adventure, to a place of adventure so that she can get some real world knowledge and bring pride to the Greyfrost name. So an aristocratic, book smart elf just got dropped off in the capital city of Vire, and you're standing there with all your bags. Yeah, I, I would say she kind of has like like her her crossbow slung across her back, and she's kind of gently holding a quarter staff, and there's like a backpack and a bedroll and some random stuff that's kind of piled around her feet. And is she dressed fancily? She has a dragon skin haramaki. And it's very high-necked and looks very regal. Like, it, it looks like it has a really sinister high collar. It probably doesn't look in place in this. Local? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are scooting around in kind of like normal peasant wear. I think you're getting some stares, you and your pile of bags. A couple of people are kind of eyeing you, trying to figure out if you're a mark. And I would say if I just arrived, I'm probably fairly close to where Iria is. Okay, so Iria's like... She sees her come off of the wagon and she starts like playing music kind of to the cadence of her footsteps. And she sees that she looks very fancy. So she's kind of expecting maybe a gold coin is looking up at the tall um, Gideon that is walking closer to her. Tall Gideon. The tall Gideon. (laughs) (laughs) Wingetha doesn't say anything, but she's kind of smirking at the helpless looking. Rich, you're rich folk that just got dropped off. I'm picturing Wingetha like picking something out of her teeth with a dagger, like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I would I would say after a while of kind of just looking around and nobody showing up, Gideon can probably wander over to Iria and daintily hold out a few golden coins and just say, "You, you there? Yes. My, with, do you do you want this money?" 
Oh yes. I need I need my bags carried. Oh oh well okay. <laughs> that laugh for me was Wingatha, by the way. <laughs> and then Laughing and then and then Gideon Gideon will drop five gold pieces into Iria's hand and point at the bags and then just continue walking into town. Add five gold pieces to your inventory. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this whole exchange happens in Iria. Looks a little bit dumbstruck and she slowly stops playing her hang drum and looks up and kind of contemplates like, this isn't my job, but that's five gold pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so she slowly puts her hang drum away and picks up the bags and saunters next to Gideon. Tonru, are you are you anywhere around here? Um, so in close proximity, there's a bar, there's market stalls, there's. I guess I'll say market stalls, uh, just because I'm reprovisioning, looking at the goods there. Okay. Right in the middle of the road, pretty close to where you guys are walking, and within sight of all of you is a small, wiry dwarf with a worn duster jacket and a missing eye, and he starts gesturing at you, Iria and Gideon. And he's standing in front of a cart full of blankets. And next to him is a huge muscular half-orc that looks like he could break you guys in two. With gray-green skin, small tusks, and a nose that looks like it's been broken countless times. And the small wiry dwarf says, Step on up, step on up. I've got a challenge for you. Come here, it's got an excellent reward. Iria does not like this dwarf. Gideon just kind of looks at the dwarf and then turns her nose away looking around the rest of the town. Hey, uh, you you really don't want to miss this. Is there any gold in this for me? <laughs> oh, listen. And he, he leans in really close. There's more gold than you know what to do with. Oh my. But you need to do this. You need three more people. I look up at Gideon. <laughs> yeah, you'll do. I, d- I, don't, I don't know what you're playing at. I just I need to find I need to find some some hero types. Now you, you're in the right place. I'm a great A hero, but we need two more people. You don't look like much. That's very offensive, but that's fine. <laughs> two more people. Your friend will do. Can I hire your friend? The orc just sort of <laughs> glares at you <laughs> disdainfully and steps closer to the dwarf. And the, the dwarf reaches out, like can barely reach, reaches out a, a hand and sort of pats the giant orc's forearm. So it's all right. Oh well, on on we go then. No, I no, have no, to no. find hey, me some wait, hero wait, types. Wait, hey, listen, hero. Hey, you want hero? Hey, hang on, just give me a minute. Hey, you, you over there. And he starts shouting at you, Tonrir. I look over my shoulder, hearing the overture. He walks over there and kind of tilts his head and says, "What can I help you with?" Oh, look at you. You look like you know what you're doing. All right, we need one more, one more. You, over there. Hey, strong-looking lady, come here. Uh, Wingetha kind of leans back against the stone wall with her hands behind her head and goes, why, why, why should I? Oh, uh, you look like an adventure type, and I got an adventure for you. What's the adventure? All right, that's fine. We'll come to you. <laughs> <laughs> he starts careening, like sort of hurting everybody over <laughs> to where Wingetha is. <laughs> Please, please, please do not, please do not touch me. You're filthy. That's, again, that's very offensive, but we'll work on it. It's fine. <laughs> we can have the jumps to her feet, kind of like hands on weapons, but in a lighthearted way. Like she's kind of laughing now. <laughs> he smiles and sort of laughs and he holds up his hand. Hey, 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 no, no offense, men. Don't, don't worry about it. Just a couple of friends. Would you say, he asks Wingethe, would you say you are strong, slick, 
inspiring or smart? Each of you can only be one, so pick well. Tonra speaks up and says, I believe myself the smart one. Ah, okay. Huh. <laughs> oh, two small ones. Okay, well, I he spoke first. Sorry, my lady. So what, what would you like to be? I kind of think you look slick. There's something not quite, if you'll forgive me for saying so, trustworthy about you. Oh, fine. I suppose I'll take the slick. Lovely, lovely. All right. Uh, and you, and he sort of looks up, but not far, at Iria and says, you look like you could inspire courage in any hero. Is that right? You play an instrument. Iria, like, embraces her hang drop and, and kind of, like, rocks back and forth, very pleased by this, being chosen as the inspiring one. Ah, excellent. And you... And he looks at you, Wingatha... You're the strong one here, so you, all you got to do, this is really easy. You don't even got to get up. I just need you to arm wrestle Baggy here. And gestures at the big, big orc. By the way, are you from here? Do you guys know anyone here? I ask for no reason. (laughs) Yeah, Wingatha looks back and forth for pickpockets and leans back against the wall a little bit. The orc walks up to a table and just like slumps down loudly and just puts out his arm. Uh, I I don't see why we have to be here for this. Uh, all right. Listen. Risk pulls a large bag out of his breast pocket and opens it, and you can see that it is full of gold. And he just says, all I'm asking is a moment of your time, and there's a lot more where this came from. So just, if you could just arm wrestle my friend, no tricks. And he steps away from the table, no tricks, no touching. Well, you gotta touch his hand. That's it, though. It'll take two seconds. I mean, you don't even... I guess you don't have to. I just like to know who I'm doing business with. At this point, Gideon has pulled out a book and has started reading. <laughs> All right, we can get the shrugs. All right, hell with it. Um, furry, do you mind watching my back? Too area. Oh, not at all. Amazing. All right. So what I want you to do, Miss Inspiring Kitty Cat, is help out your friend, your new friend, as best you can. Oh, I can definitely do that. And then he leans back and sort of taps Gideon on the wrist and says, uh, I said, don't touch. (laughs) (laughs) And whispers, all right, Slick, if you can steal something from your arm wrestling friend there, I'll give you enough gold to make that carriage you walked here in look like a joke. Why do I want to steal anything? Why, what, what part? What, what part? What, what are you playing at? What part of at? gold do you not understand? I'm having a really hard time with you. All right, forget it. I, forget I don't it, forget un- it. Do <laughs> something impressive. Absolutely anything. I don't even care. She goes back to reading. <laughs> oh my God, useless. Whatever, fine. Fine. And then uh, he uh, leans over to just Hunter and says, all right, now, you smart guy. Mm-hmm. What can you hold in your right hand, but not in your left? You chew on that while these fools arm wrestle, all right? All right. Now we're actually going to arm wrestle. (laughs) We'll do a strength contest, so it's just a d20 plus your strength modifier. Wait, wait. So can Iria cast a spell to help out Wingatha? Yes, please do. Okay, so Iria casts Resistance. It abuse the subject with a magical energy that protects it from harm, granting it a plus one resistance bonus on saves. Okay. Would that help? Well, thank God I won't die. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't actually help directly with the strength contest, but she looks a little stronger and shinier. Does it tingle? I think it definitely tingles. 
So there's a cat folk behind you playing cool music, and there's a big orc in front of you, Wingatha, and it's arm wrestle time. All right, Wingatha slaps your scale mill elbow down on the table and claps hands with the orc. Rolls a dice. Finally the dice. <laughs> 19. 19 oh, plus shit. two. <laughs> All right, we're going to do this in two rounds. But the first round, you're like locked eye to eye for a second and you're matched and then your hand starts pushing forward and the big fucking orc's hand starts falling back and his eyes widen like minutely like, oh, God, okay. And he glares and hunkers down. And then we're going to do another round. All right. Oh, yeah, that was bad. (laughs) Six plus eight. Okay, you slam the orc's hand down on the bar. (laughs) Nice. And the orc looks kind of offended. The second his hand is down, Wigatha jumps up and checks her back. Still there. <laughs> You're fine. All right. So Risk claps enthusiastically and says, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. What about you, my friend? And looks over at Tonmer. You figure that out, smart guy, eh? Tonmer looks very intentionally at him with a look of disappointment on his face at the riddle and then crosses his arms, making sure that both his hands are touching the other elbow. Was it the left hand or the right hand that was holding? What can you hold in your right hand, but not in your left? My left elbow. Ah, that's true. I like this lot, except you. And he gestures at Gideon. (laughs) But that's fine, because you... Are definitely from out of town, and you look rich as hell. Oh, bugger off already. And then Gideon casts Dancing Lights. What is that? (laughs) It is a level zero spell, so um, it's basically just a cantrip. But I created four lights that resemble lanterns, and they kind of look like will-o'-wisps. They have to stay within a 10-foot radius to each other, so I just kind of make them move around in like a small dancing circle. Gideon just looks very fed up with this whole charade. <laughs> so she kind of casts this just to be like rid of this person. Wingatha laughs. Are you going to juggle? Oh, good. You do have magic. All right. Well, I wouldn't say you're all winners per se, but. And he reaches into his breast pocket and then leans towards Eerie and Wingatha. And you catch a flash of something sparkling. And then he's blowing a fine blue powder right into your face when he says, Good enough. And you guys can roll a constitution saving throw. If I patch this, I'm kicking him in the face. (laughs) And he blows it and it's in the air, like all around you guys. That was four. Twelve. I have to look at something real quick. So I have to know what the powder is uh, for this to see if I have resistance to it. So it's sleep smoke. So you actually are immune because you're an elf. Okay. So do I even need to roll? You do not. Okay. And Gideon, you're half-elf? I'm not half-elf. Oh, you're full-elf? I'm the half-elf. Oh, my mistake. (laughs) Uh, Are half-elves immune to sleep stuff? Yep, immune to magic sleep effects. Okay. Well, Wingatha and Iria, you guys drop like a sack of bricks. So when Iria drops, because I assume that Iria was still wearing my backpack and stuff, (laughs) Gideon kind of quickly closes her book and is like, oh, can't get good help these days. <laughs> Awake characters, let's roll initiative. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> 17. 14. Just as a reminder, I do have an animal companion with me. Oh, yeah. What's up with that? 
unless you specify otherwise, it typically shares the same initiative with the player character. Okay. You want to paint us a word picture? Sure. So the animal companion in question is a gray feathered owl that usually takes up residence near Tonrir at all times, or when summoned, will sometimes perch directly on Tonrir or on the seat that he's sitting on. Nothing absolutely fantastic about the owl, but it is very gorgeous for being a gray owl. Tonrir himself has thin hair that's long and wispy, does not have any facial hair, but does have runes and such tattooed throughout his body. Uh, He's slightly lithe, but he stands at just about six feet tall, and his eyes are blue. His hair is green, and his skin itself does have a blue hue to it as well. Cool. Mm. And did you say where your gray owl is right now? The gray owl was perched up nearby. You could say building or bell tower or whatever, just nearby. Okay. So the first person to go is Risk. And Risk is going to lift up his right palm and show a brand on it to the guards nearby. In Vire, there's guards everywhere and they have the same emblem on. They have this emblem that's two snakes wrapped around each other with wings, sort of like sinister looking snakes. And the brand is that same emblem that you can see on some of the guards' armor. He shows that brand and the guards snap to attention and walk towards him. And he says, yeah, that's what I thought. I got friends in high places. Get these two. And steps back. Bagheera is the next person in initiative and is going to come for you, Gideon. And Bagheera is going to attempt to grapple you. So since you guys are within arm's reach and melee range, I think that's just going to be his combat maneuver against your combat maneuver defense. Combat maneuver defense is 13. Okay. He successfully grapples you. So on your turn, which is next, you can try to break the grapple. I said no touching. (laughs) (laughs) So now I would do CMB. Yes. Okay. That's a 17. Is that with your strength modifier? Um, listen. I'm listening. (laughs) And Gideon purposefully did not cry out as the strongest of the group. Uh Uh-huh. I have no modifier. Okay. (laughs) Well, then the big orc kind of picks up Gideon and grabs some twine and starts tying up her wrists. Tonra, it's your turn, and it'll take Bagheera's next turn to successfully tie her up. Okay. Um, So he's only been in the city for a few days. The snake emblem, he's guessing, is just those are the law keepers of the city. Yep. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I have to roll something else real quick because it's going to determine whether he flees or not. <laughs> he's going to try to run away. Oh, no. Oh, God damn it. Because he doesn't know anybody there and, you know, that's fine. So, yeah, he's going to attempt to flee. <laughs> okay. We kind of wandered into a tavern to interact with Wingatha, and so two city guards are going to block your exit. Um, is anything hanging above them? A tavern sign. Okay. It's the... It's the... Anybody got a great tavern name? The Tavern of Hell! <laughs> <laughs> it says the Tavern of Hell, and it's got a big smiley face. Okay, um... Okay, so it's between me and the exit. Shit! Okay. 
I feel like behind you, Gideon is just like, excuse me, why? Stop, pardon. <laughs> so one of them is trying to tie someone up with twine. Less of me. Okay. I'm going to, since this is a zero level spell, I can use it as often as I want, which is kind of cool. I'm going to produce flame and I'm going to throw it at the person that's trying to do the tying. Okay. That's Bagheera the orc. And I'm I'm still in Bagheera's arms, right? Yeah. He's like picked you up and he's trying to. I'm going to throw it at its feet, at Bagheera's feet. So that's going to be a 16 to hit. Okay. That's a hit. And it's going to do 1d8 of damage. I rolled a four. So Bagheera's feet kind of catch fire for a second, and he does not love that. Gideon kind of slips in his arms, so now she's kind of like hilariously held to his chest, and he's stamping his feet angrily. Okay. Are there rafters? (laughs) Yeah, there are rafters. All right. Um, are they within reasonable distance that if I jump normally from a table, I can reach one? How far can you jump? <laughs> well, it's more so like, is it a low hanging in or the rafters really up there? It's a low hanging in because I want to know what you're doing. <laughs> well, I'm going to run to a table and jump up into the rafters and then produce my bow and arrow. Oh, I should have known you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, good. And Gideon struggling against this person's chest is just continuing to struggle and is very uncomfortable with the fact that she has now been hugged closer (laughs) and says something like, please just, I, you smell of sweat and dung. It's not the kidnapping that bothers you. It's the body odor. Is that what I'm getting from this? Very, very dirty. Lives in the moment, does Gideon. (laughs) Ton, we will call out from the rafters and say, Perhaps asking for help instead of trying to take it might yield better results, dwarf. What do you want? He says, uh, All I want is to take you on an audience to see the queen. She's looking for people who are capable of doing a job, a hard job, and I think you guys might be up to the challenge. It pays really good, and... It's not at all dangerous, so definitely come down here and get in this cart. He's he's He had notched an arrow, but he kind of slackens the drawstring a bit, and he says, So you think that the best way to get a cooperative and productive party is to kidnap them? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I understand you're not from Vaya, but in Vaya, when you say... Hey, do you want to go meet the queen? Everybody says nothing because they've run away because nobody wants to meet the queen, okay? But you've already you've already established that we're not from Vaya. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a really good point. Hey, do you guys want to go meet the queen? Hey, do you guys want to go? Like two of us are going to be knocked out and the other two are just think, like, oh, whatever. I think, I think Gideon just kind of slips out of Baggy's arms because Baggy doesn't know what to do. He's just staring at Risk like, Ooh, and just sort of lets Gideon drop and Risk's like, ah, you guys want to go meet the queen? Tonrir, at this point, unnotches the arrow and says, I will go meet her willingly, but there will be no surprises along the way.
Hi, beautiful listeners. Welcome to the mid-episode break. We hope you are enjoying the first episode of Bad Heroes as much as we enjoyed making it. If you want to help us get rolling in the podcasting world, there are a few things you could do to help us out. You could subscribe to us on iTunes, you could rate us, or best of all, you could share our show with a friend. Literally just duct tape people to chairs and play the episode for them. That's fine. Probably only kind of illegal. And if you do any of those things, not the duct taping thing, but if you do any of those things, like share the show with someone, please tweet at us so we can say thank you. We are at Bad Heroes Cast on Twitter. You can also email us at badheroescast at gmail.com. Our theme song is Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Other music used in this episode was composed by Kevin McLeod and Sergei Chermisinov. And that neat little hang drum piece played under Wing of His Arm Wrestling was by Liska Winter, Iria's player on her real life hang drum. I think that's it. Thank you for listening, and I will see you on July 17th. I demand a bath. Can you have a bath after you meet the queen? I'd like a bath in the queen's palace. You, you know what? Just tell the queen that you want a bath in her palace. It's going to be totally fine. Listen here, shorty. <laughs> you had your friend rub his grimy, dirty pits all over me. <laughs> I want a bath. You know what? When we get there, I'm sure that the first room we're going to go in is just going to be full of porcelain bathtubs you're going to fit right in. And I think Bagheera just starts picking up Wingtha and Iria and just like drops them, well, sets them gently in the cart. Wonderful. Make sure make sure you get all my belongings as well. <laughs> Bagheera just squints at you, but then does it. <laughs> and he sort of neatly stacks your belongings around your two companions. And also a third person that you didn't realize was in the cart. Under the blanket, there is actually a halfling. There's a blonde halfling tied up and gagged and they've got this wide-eyed stare going, mm, 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 mm. and Risk just goes, all right, uh, shall we? And Risk and Bagheera and all the city guards assemble around you and begin your march up to the castle. Tonwir is warily eyeing things around, but he's complacent. So here he is in the cart right now with a sleeping Wingatha and a half-elf that we didn't know about until just now? A uh, halfling. Halfling. Yeah. In Iria's sleep, she kind of like rolls over and puts Wingatha in like a spooning position and <laughs> just kind of like <laughs> smacks her lips a little bit, like satisfied. <laughs> so Risk whistles and tosses another blanket over the sleeping and spooning Wingatha and Iria. Thanks for being an accessory to our kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> and... Bagheera pulls the cart containing them, the blonde halfling, and Gideon's luggage by hand slowly up the cobblestone street. Tonrir, you and Gideon follow, untouched by the now sizable group of guards that have come to Risk's aid to escort you. So, oh, I'm asleep through all this, right? So I don't actually know any. You are asleep. Yes, you are zonked. You and Iria, and you are spooning sweetly. Okay. In the center of Vyre's capital, where all the largest roads lead, is a dark castle forged of stone and steel. There is an unnatural chill under the shadow of this castle, and heavy gates carved with infernal sigils from top to bottom swing open for you. 
and then slam shut behind your party, locking you in the castle grounds with all the finality of a guillotine. <laughs> you are marched through the front door, past a vast entryway, and through several twisting and dark corridors, which are lined with enormous suits of armor, until finally Risk and Bagheera accompany you into a great, sweeping throne room. The city soldiers do not follow you in here. This throne room is just every kind of extra. The walls and ceilings are smooth obsidian, draped with red silk banners, and an orange glow lights up the vast chamber with an unusual flicker. It's hot, very hot in here, and it maybe takes you a moment to realize that this warm glow is coming from literal lava, which cascades down intricate channels inlaid into the walls. There is a huge shadow curled around the steps leading up to the throne and resting along the walls. Also lining the walls of the room are 20 or so suits of armor, the same you saw in the corridors. So the blanket is swept off Wingatha and Iria, and those of you sleeping begin to blink back into consciousness. I gotta say I love what you've done with the place. <laughs> I'd replace the lava with ice, but, you know, otherwise, it's, it's nice. Pretty much your aesthetic, I guess. At the first flicker of consciousness, Wingatha kicks forward at whatever is immediately in front of her. Blanket. You kick a blanket off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Iria kind of rouses a little bit and touches Wingatha, like trying to calm her down. Like, come back to sleep. <laughs> Wingatha like jumps the fuck up. <laughs> are, are our hands tied? Are we tied? Are we tied? Or anything? No, you just zonked out and you were just plopped casually, and you're totally free to move about the room now. Okay. Risk is standing next to you, and he's just sort of looking around the room, not really paying you much mind. And Bagheera is beside him, and they're both standing with their weapons not drawn. Okay. Gideon is like really investigating the uh, obsidian. Okay, great. I mentioned some stuff in this room. I want to go ahead and say you guys can do perception checks if you want to. Can I investigate the obsidian I'm looking at? You absolutely can. That's a natural 20. It is obsidian. <laughs> <laughs> it looks expensive and fantastic. It's very shiny and it's black. And obsidian is formed by lava. I was going to say, you should just read Kaz the dictionary <laughs> definition of obsidian. Kaz already knew that, but yes, this is this is genuine obsidian. You imagine that to fill a room with obsidian and make the walls out of obsidian would be very expensive. Touch of class. Was Wingatha disarmed or still carrying all her weapons? All your stuff is with you. In fact, <laughs> all of Gideon's luggage is in the cart and Bagheera now takes a moment and he's like unloading it. At first he's throwing it and then Risk is like, <clears throat> and he's like, oh, and starts very gently piling it next to Gideon. Coming up to enough consciousness and seeing um, Risk, Wingeth is going to dive at him and tackle him. Okay, awesome. Roll against AC. Six plus three is nine. Okay. I think he just brushes you off and kind of steps back. And says in a really low voice, easy mate. And uh, points at the suits of armor lining the walls and says, no fighting in the throne room. They don't like it. Okay, so now I'll look around and uh, start taking everything in. Iria gets all the way up and out of the cart and kind of just looks wide-eyed and is like, what, what the fuck is going on? 
You drop my luggage is what's going on. Oh, did I do that? Can't hire good help nowadays. Where are we? Anybody can roll perception checks on the room generally, or investigation checks on particular things. Yeah, I'll, I'll look around the room. 15 plus 6, so 21. Okay, great, great, great. So that shadow that goes around the edge of the room and sort of up the steps towards where you imagine a throne would be, there's a shape that goes around the edge of the room that's huge and shadowy. When you look more carefully, you can see that it is actually a huge serpent's skeleton that's lining the room. Can I roll to see if I recognize the serpent? Sure. You want to do like a nature check on it? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, So 17. So it is a viper. Okay. And you can tell that it's a viper because it has that triangular skull shape. Okay. And you can tell that it's a venomous snake. How big is it? Unnaturally big. You know from your nature check, it should not be that big. Okay. Tonweir is just passively looking around. I'll just do a general perception check to see if there's anything else that sticks out. Okay. 22. So the suits of armor that line the throne room walls, there's about 20 of them. And you can see that there's an unnatural glow coming from the joints. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just kind of keeping quiet and keeping low. I've got a hood and I might still be wearing that just to conceal where my eyes are looking. Otherwise, I'm just waiting to see what happens at the moment. While everyone else is looking around, I go up to those armor suits and see the faint glow and I cast detect magic. Okay. So you can tell that these are definitely magical suits of armor. There is something magical going on here and something sinister at that. And you went up close to it? Yes. Yeah. I got up right next to the elbows. So you can also see from up close that the suits of armor are splattered with blood. What's the range of detect magic? 60 feet. So this room be glowing. (laughs) Those suits of armor are definitely glowing. The snake skeleton that wraps around the room is glowing. Actually, some things on Risk's person are glowing. And there's sort of a strange, unnatural darkness around the throne, as if shadows are clustered there of their own accord. And it's impossible to make out that part of the room. But you can tell that there is a throne. And you can see its sharp outline. But that whole zone is just magic. Magic everywhere. Magic Aras is up in the throne zone. (laughs) Iria kind of like steps back in awe and starts to say, you guys, I I think something not so great is going on here. Why exactly are we here? For a job. Apparently the queen here needs us for something. And after I was able to convince them to be less brutal about the approach, uh, they brought us here to talk with her. Okay, so it's just talking, right? (laughs) Risk says, well, about that, um, <clears throat> I'll let them explain. And then uh, he says, excuse me, Lord Zira. Risk takes his hat off and stands humbly in the throne room beside Bagheera, looking at his feet. We've brought the next batch. A coin purse flies out of the shadows and hits Bagheera square in the face. <laughs> and instantly the huge half-orc reaches for the dagger at his belt, But Risk puts a hand on his forearm and calms him. 
Bagheera settles and Risk scoops up the coin purse silently, bows very low, and then the grifter and the muscle are gone, pushing their cart out of the throne room. And they sort of kicked that blonde halfling out of their cart before they left. she awake yet? He is awake and he's standing, but he's still tied up and also gagged. Okay. Quick question. Is the blood on the armor, is it fresh or old? It's old. It's very old. Also, I rolled up four for my perception, so <laughs> you want to tell me what I see. You know what? I'm in a room. Wingatha, this is all a dream. <laughs> you just, you drank too much and you're just having a weird, weird fucking dream, but it's going to be fine. It's fine. My head hurts. So a new voice comes on the scene and says, I love it when the trash takes itself out and its owner emerges from the shadows that obscured the throne. Lord Zira looks at first glance like a captivatingly beautiful angel. His slender figure is draped in seductively minimal black silk, but his feathered wings are stained the color of ash, and his eyes are hot like coals. And you can see a lot of thigh and a lot of stomach, and it's guys, it's kind of sexy. He's got horns and heels, and it's kind of sexy, but it's also kind of scary. Oh, at, at long last, another noble. Hello. Well, hello there. Uh, so Iria goes up to the halfling and kind of like quietly takes his gag down and says you know we got we got really cozy and comfy in that cart i i hate to see you all bound up like this are you okay Uh, (laughs) i love Iria so much he says uh yeah uh i mean okay is maybe a strong word do i do you you know where we are right And then starts just sort of slowly trying to back away and then bumps into one of the suits of armor and then skitters back behind you, Iria. (laughs) Uh, I turn around and I say, no, I I know just about as much as you do, but I I feel like we're we're okay. It's a little devilish and dark in here, but for the most part, I think we're on good terms. He just starts shaking his head frantically, but he doesn't have any more to contribute. (laughs) How far away is Zero? Like 20 feet. Gideon has started to walk towards him. I wouldn't do that if I were you. I would stay right where you are. Please and thank you. And as he says that, all 20 of the suits of armor turn their heads towards you, Gideon. Oh. And he, Lord Zira, crosses his arms and says, Well, mortals, introduce yourselves. Quickly, please. We don't have all day. I believe there is some sort of misunderstanding. I'm Gideon Greyfrost. I'm sure you've heard of us. The Greyfrosts are quite well known. He just raises a perfectly manicured eyebrow at you. So no then. All right. (laughs) Wingen looks around for someone to sit down on. Tonwir finally turns towards Lord Zira and says, uh, My name is Tonwir Seni. And I am here looking for work, and I have been told that you might have a task that may need some handling. Well, you're right about that, and I do believe Queen Sephira will explain that, but in good time. The rest of you, your names? Iria kind of looks up gleefully, but also kind of intimidated and and brings her drum around and says, My name's Iria, and I'm here at your service. Well, that's the spirit. 
Uh, Wingatha shrugs and just says, Wingatha Feldrum. The halfling steps a little further behind Iria and just shakes his head repeatedly. And Zira just says, All right, all right. I guess no name from you. Well, that's fine. Uh, Talgron. And a horrifying chorus of voices says, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> a great nine-foot-tall monstrosity covered in ice-blue spines steps out of the shadows and stands next to Zira. Sword and shield are out. Zira <laughs> <laughs> says, uh, you haven't even heard me play yet. <laughs> this thing looks like a cross between an ice elemental and a nightmare. Ice. I love ice. It has sort of like a not expressive face, like most of its faces form from ice. So it's not really making expressions at you, but you can see that it's looking at each of you slowly and in turn. And Lord Zira sighs and says, no, Talgron, you never are impressed. Well, heroes, let's see what you're made of. And... Out of the thick, fog-like darkness surrounding the throne emerges something, its footsteps silent as the grave. The first words that spring to mind for the shape before you is probably dog or wolf, but those words are too small for the creature you see. The beast is five feet at the shoulder, with red eyes set in its face like hot coals and smoke streaming from its nostrils. A wide silver collar protects its neck with protruding spikes, and when it draws back its lips to growl, you can see past its long white fangs an infernal fire burning in its chest. And somewhere, beyond what you can see, comes a voice that says, Sick'em. And let's roll some initiative. Yay. 